0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Here on this Monday, back again. Haven't had a Tuesday game in a couple weeks. A short turnaround from Saturday's game. Ready to recap and preview our first matchup with the Valpo Beacons. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, I mean, we, we say it a lot, but it seems like this one should be the one of one of our shortest of the season you know coming off one of the most disappointing games we can remember and turn and also one of the most important and talked about and hyped up game in a long time in this game on Saturday that ended in a big old whiff that's putting it lightly on national TV on ESPN um like I said we'll kind of just go th- you know go about you know minor takeaways but also like a big picture feel after this but I wanted to get your feel and your initial reactions and initial takeaways coming from that terrible performance we
1: put up Saturday. Yeah, it was just a really, really big disappointment having a national televised game, um, a battle for, could have been a two way tie with us and Bradley um, atop the top of the league. But once again, just another game, they don't show up. uh, Do not even know. Um, even a lot of what's going on at this point. I mean, this is too many times this team is not going to show up for a big game um, or just coming out flat and not ready to play. And that's exactly what happened again. And Drake came out, was ready with in front of a big crowd, hit him in the mouth, and they did not know what to do.
0: No, and even – <clears throat> excuse me, that the the start of it, because I mentioned on the preview, we were going to try to get off work. I was able to get off work for the start of it. Clearly, it didn't matter. I mean, I was trying to stream it. I was listening to it on the radio, and I heard it, but I, you know, the stream was a little bit behind in terms of when it was actually able to load, and um, you know, I saw the play, because I heard the back door cut for an easy two, Mike said, right off, right out of the gate. So, I, you just knew in that instant, and We also knew about Drake coming in. You know, they blew out Murray State. They, you know, had that hard-fought Valpo game a weekend ago, and they've just been playing on fire. Um, You know, Tucker putting up the numbers that he previously had. And the team in general, you know, they haven't lost in like a month. They've kind of been just hitting that stride. And you're right, you know, it's whether you just came not to play, and we'll get into it, you know, things they said on on the radio and and things that – We talked about previously, but Brian said the Missouri State game they were kind of jumping around, kind of you know loose. It seemed like in the uh, you know in the locker room and stuff. Rodney, I think you told me that the whoever was said that the team had that going into this game. So uh, another one of those games where maybe they'll say that they weren't prepared for, and there was some blame to go around after the game. And um, yeah, you're right. It's just it's just starting slow. I mean, we talk about digging ourselves holes and initially talking about Drake and how they are, you can't dig a hole against a team like this. Not even, I think overall, especially with the way they're playing, because, you know, they're arguably the best offensive team in the league, top three. And then not only that, they're obviously like top three or four in defense in the league, like arguably. So they're the ultimate team. You cannot afford to do that in. And I mean, Noah, Nick, I mean, next thing we knew it was what 16 to nothing. I mean, you just knew at that moment and, you can jump in, you know, you texted me in the moment when we we're down five, nothing, you know, watching it and just listening to it. You just knew that it wasn't going to be our day. And, uh, you know, I feel like it wasn't even, I'm not going to say we, we saw that coming. Like this was one of the games we, we pinpointed of, yeah. Okay. We'll lose it Drake and we'll split with them on the season, whatever. But that was before, you know, we initially lost Illinois state, which we, in the moment said they just played out of their mind, Marcus was great. And we lost, but clearly, it's a, it's a game you look back on now that, you know, shakes a lot of this up and puts it kind of in a craze because we said, oh, yeah, at Bradley, at Drake, those are the two we really could just afford to lose the rest of the season. And now we're getting tight within the standings. They really can't drop any. I mentioned the short turnaround we're going to have tomorrow. It's, I mean, it's not it doesn't get any easier from here, no matter what anyone said about strength of schedule or anything. And just overall, just a disappointing performance. You know, they cut it to 12. About nine or ten minutes in the second half, and that clearly wasn't enough because as soon as you were able to do that, Drake has the foot off the gas just a little bit. Uh, They go down and score right away. After DeVries called a timeout, they knew what they wanted to do out of it. They scored immediately, and they scored, I think, six straight to fully put it out of reach even when there was a glimmer of hope. Uh, I mean, no, it's another game that Marcus was not good in. One of eight shooting, didn't make a three. Free throws, I guess, saved his total points, but he only had five. And if you tell me at any point Clarence Rupert outscores Marcus Damas, I'll tell you we definitely get blown out, and that that obviously was the case. I mean, you notice know, jumping into like if you were, we'll get into the big picture thing here in a second, but takeaways of this game in terms of what any outs of anything you liked, and go over some of the box score of anybody did anything well. Clearly, nobody did. But if you were to pinpoint anything, because even going into team stats, you can like there's clearly nothing to write home about there either.
1: I mean, I think. There's two positives to take away from this game. Um, I really like what Troy D'Amico did. Um, He had eight points. I mean, he was three of five shooting in his 23 minutes of play. I like how he played. And obviously we got to hear from Jawan Newton, the other guy that I like. 13 points for him, three rebounds, two assists, um, five of nine shooting, three of six from three. Um, He he wasn't – they started doubling Marcus right away. Um, He wasn't able to knock him down the first half, but he took advantage of what they gave him in the second half and really liked what I seen from both of them guys. So other than that, I mean Marcus obviously with the them doubling, obviously he ended up with four turnovers, three assists, um, five rebounds to go with those five points. Just a, another no show. That's five that's a total of ten points. Um in the last two big games against Bradley, he had, had five, then now five against them. So, averaging five points against those two teams in the last two games against them is not what we're going to see and not what we want to see. And it's never going to end up well if that's the case.
0: No, and even, you know, knowing that these are the two teams you have to beat down the stretch of games unless they get upset in Arch Madness, which. We know it can happen. It's not likely those two teams are about as complete as it gets. And yeah, I mean that's the thing they they showed in both those games. And granted, we played with Bradley a lot better than we did at Drake. That's the whole, you know, how Drake's offense is compared to Bradley, who's good offensively. H- hold their hat on defense, and you ugly it up like we've said, and you're able to play with them a little better. But. Um, it just shows you, you know, those two are just had, you know, they they're showing why they're the top two, and that's why we're a step below when you put up performances like this. And you're right, Troy was good and Jawan seemed like Jawan will play his best sometimes when whenever we do lose. Granted, like this was, you know, uh only our eighth loss of the season. Not a whole lot in terms of finding those, but you could I guarantee pinpoint a lot of those where Jawan was good. I mean, we talked about it. I mean we just had a huge conversation earlier just about everything. And even seeing Lance, you know, all of his points were threes and he went 0 for five, you know, within three point line. I mean, that's crazy. And he goes four for five from the, from the free throw line. We did see Scotty in this game, put up a couple points from the free throw line, especially two for four, but then had a, another play himself, JD, seven rebounds, didn't score. I mentioned Clarence. Clarence scored a little bit on uh, Darnell and they were saying on the radio, clearly like Darnell, we know is from Seton Hall and Clarence is from, Philly and St. Peter's that they knew each other. And sometimes when Clarence would score on him, he'd do like the two small and we're down by 20. It's just unnecessary stuff like that. That hits me. You had Xavier being, you know, your dog of the game, knowing how huge you have to be on Penn. And there was a play within the game that Roman crossed them up and then made a jump shot. And we talked endlessly. I mean, the reason why we beat them in the first game was because how bad Roman Penn was. Oh, one for 12, whatever the heck he was overall had eight turnovers. This game, 10 of 15 shooting, 21 points, eight assists, five rebounds. I mean, he clearly – he led them in scoring. He did everything you could want from a guy. I mean, he killed us – kills us in his whole career. That was the one game where he wasn't good. And clearly, if I mentioned, you know, if he plays well, they win, and we stand no chance. And then – no, I mean, even at the start, and if I would have told somebody, hey, Tucker has three fouls in the first half – Okay, yeah. We think it's close in this kind of hype matchup but, you know, the top teams tied with or tied for first. If Tucker has three fouls in the first half, I think we have a uh a or whatever it was. Maybe he got a stir in the early second, I'm not sure. But he was in foul trouble most of the game. He got most of his points in the second half. I mean, no, if I told you that, what do you think the score would have been if Tucker DeVries coming off back to back thirty point thirty two point games? Had him in foul trouble. What do you what how do you think the game would have been close if I told you that without you knowing anything?
1: Yeah, you would like to hope that um, their best player getting in foul trouble. You'd be right in a spot at least to win the game, but um, it just shows you the two difference of the team. Take away their best player, he can struggle a little bit and get in foul trouble, and they can still uh, win games. And that's just the two different two big the biggest difference between these two teams. Take away Tucker, they're just fine. Take away Marcus, and we're not fine at all
0: not even in the same stratosphere as what we are with and without them. And I mean, the the main points of this game as well were not only our effort, but there were some points where they were making shots. You can't do anything about it. It kind of had, you saw glimpses of that in Murray where, you know, if Tucker was hot, he was going down and just throwing up a 30 footer and granted he can make them, but it's like, I mean, whether it's barely a, a check at all of them, I mean, he's making it, and you know, a lot of it is effort. You know, Brody got some easy offensive rebounds and putbacks, and Sturts was Sturts and Roman with with their floaters. I mean, they're just unstoppable in that regard. But even and we know DJ is DJ Wilkins is their top three point shooter ever there, and he's had a great career. He's a great shooter. It's honestly it seems like well, clearly he's like a three and D kind of guy. He'll really live at the three point line, and that's what he did in this game. And even when we, you know, had. Uh, you know, checked him a little bit, the three, and contested him. He was making them all. And then you got Calhoun, who played well as well, you know, four of six, shooting three or four from three himself, that he can make threes as well. But whenever the shot clock's dwindling down, he takes a couple steps back, hop steps almost to half court, and throws up a heave and makes it. That's just when you know it's not working out for you, and everything they do is just perfect. Because uh, I was trying to pinpoint, we said earlier, or I mentioned earlier to you about, Outside of those contested shots, it seemed like only a fair amount of them were actually okay looks. Like when Tucker, before he fully got going of his 15 points, he was having open threes and he was missing them. And we mentioned how, how awesome Connor Enright is for them. And granted, he only made one shot, but it was a huge shot. It was a three to like exceed the points a little bit. I don't know. It was, it was way out of hand at that point, but um, his was wide open. And then other scenarios of, you know, we played Garrett Sturts. You know, Marcus is on him mainly, and they were, you know, they were setting hand handoffs and ball screens at the top of the key, and we were playing off Sturz because he doesn't want to shoot threes. I remember he made one against us at our place, but he doesn't want to do it. He wants to even go through the motions, and then you're playing off them, but they're still able to score, and that was probably the best like thing we arguably did all game was the fact that we played that on him. But clearly, when you have a switching defense like us, you, all you'd have to do is cut in front of us and get to the rim and that's what they did that's what everybody's done against us it's just easy to defend and um I mean Noah we talked about it again like how we we can take pride in defense here and the switching is to a certain point and we talked about what other teams are doing around the league what teams have done against us and what we see it seems like our defense should be able to do different things not just man-to-man and switching boxing ones zones even ourselves and we know Roman can shoot DJ and everybody can shoot but it's like whether it's against Drake or anybody should we see ever like a, a zone like or something where we know Lance was great against Tucker at our place you know I guess good in the first half with foul trouble and everything it's like you put Lance on Tucker and then you just play that box in one and or do you because you mentioned to me earlier about maybe putting Lance on Roman since he was uh you know, playing really well, it's like, you know, we didn't really make those kind of adjustments. Like what do you th- what do you think on that? And if we should we should make those in game
1: adjustments defensively. Yeah, just our style of defense and what Brian believes and the staff is taught. I mean, you just know that if if you throw a a throw a wrinkle in there defensively that maybe you do go zone for a couple possessions and get a couple stops and throw off the momentum it it stops things um from going in such a bad way but i, I think it was uh it was uh the other game in the murray state game bradley all of a sudden went in zone and threw things off and just like that um they were able to pull away from murray state so maybe just throw a wrinkle i doubt we ever do it we're just a man-based team and We weren't playing very well, man. I mean, they were getting some good looks, but felt like they were just in one of those rhythms that it was too late. They were in rhythm. And even if it was good defense, they were hitting shots.
0: Yeah. And I think they're too experienced anyway. Like, yeah, we've been surprised Missouri State, which they did it on us at their place. And then they throw it out there with no Donovan Clay at our place and struggled at it at times. It's like, yeah, as long as if you catch a team off guard doing it, Some teams react the opposite way. Some teams, like I know Drake would, would treat it like anything else. Probably they'd have Gert, they'd have Sturts play the middle, have him pass or have him shoot the floater and just have your shooters outside. So, you know, that the Drake example with doing it against them, probably wouldn't matter. Obviously when you're, when you dig such a deep hole, that's if you play a close game. And um, I mean, even, I mean, we did see, of course, you know, when you're, when you're down so big, you want to see Foster come in this game we saw Trent come in a little bit uh and it's just like when you know you're down you need to bring in guys to just help you like just trim the deficits as much as possible and Foster came in at the very end of the first half you could tell he was out you know when he was out there that Marcus was trying to find him too much and they weren't really letting it happen and then of course after that we don't see Foster again to trim the deficit and we saw Scotty in this game do his best against Brody at times I mentioned what his stats were and just knowing it was obviously too little, too late. And I've mentioned like even defensively sticking to the script that, and I've said it, I said it with last year's team all the time. And even this year's team, like even offensively, when you're going through the motions and you do the whole thing that we do wait till 10 seconds, you just pass it around, do the, the uh, step off for the big, everything we know we do. And then you give it to Marcus last second. How about instead of going through the motions how about you attack an opening? We talked about this earlier. And I, you know, if I was a player at, th- at that level, I would talk to my coach and say, "Hey, we can keep this kind of action—the same thing we've been doing—but allow us the freedom, which we talked about freelancing. This team does allow us the freedom to attack an opening. And I would think that's the thing, regardless. But it, we mentioned being brainwashed too. They're brainwashed into just doing the, you know, the same thing over and over again. And then we talked about. What Marcus has to have on his shoulders repeatedly. And, you know, maybe it's too much for him to where he's had these struggles. And we mentioned how he should have a better matchup against Drake. And I guess just at third place, it's just impossible to do. But we've seen teams that we feel like we're better than go in there and play better. It's just living up to the moment. Drake knew they wanted sole possession or equal with Bradley, depending upon what they did first place, and they weren't going to take any prisoners. And, I mean, no, I guess we can now. Look at it – I mean, it's one of those things, cliches of just wash it. Rodney said that in the post-game, and people have said it every which way. You want, you need to dissect these games, and it is it is just at the time of the season where if it's this bad, which you don't expect these kinds of bad losses this time of the year, especially with the team you expect to be, it's hard to just wipe it away. But clearly that's all you can do to this point uh, with that cliche. And, I mean, big picture here, Noah. I mean, obviously we'll get into Valpo – we can get to him shortly. There's other things to mention. The typical stuff is not as much. But uh, clearly the, I said the quick turnaround for this team. And I use the example for, hey, adversity against UIC. You barely beat a bad team. Maybe it can carry over. And you're back on the road at a place that is hard to win. And knowing this arguably, Noah, could be the biggest game of the season and how these guys can bounce back. Because you mentioned me earlier about you, we can just see – bounce back and play well when we feel like our back's against the wall, maybe.
1: I mean, that's, that's what we got to expect. I mean, I think Brian was asked in the post game um, that the last couple of games haven't played very well. And if, if he expects it to continue, but it just can't, it's got to be the next game mentality. And the next game's always got to be your biggest game. That kind of cliche, because you're in a time where it's crunch time. And if you look around the league, you got four other teams starting to play their best basketball. And we've yet to see it with this team. We haven't seen it in Brian's tenure. It's always feeling that this style of defense, these teams are fading away towards the end of the seasons because we're not deep enough and we don't have, and some guys, you can say we're not deep enough because we don't, we don't, some guys don't get the chance to play enough guys like Foster um, guys like Scotty, but it's time to start turning around and, I just don't see – I can say it with a lot of other teams that I can say this team's going to flip their switch and this is when they start turning it on. I just don't see it with this team.
0: Yeah, I know, especially until we see it actually happen. You know, I, I definitely agree with you that – especially with with the short turnaround, you're going to a place that you're not, you're not successful at most of the time. We talked about last year's game, which was insane – uh, you're right. That's all we can hope for is just, it's just playing better, but it's hard to know. And we'll get into like what even the spread is in this game. Like it's hard to think we can even cover a short spread and we know it's just going to be a, a rock fight again. And how important this game is knowing the game on Sundays on the horizon, you think you would have a big advantage there. That's why it seems like this game tomorrow is ever so important. If you can win and then it's kind of a, a breath of fresh air before you go onto that game where, like I said, you feel like you would have an advantage with a lot of stuff going on that game that uh, against Bradley that then you feel like if you can win the next two, you're setting yourself up pretty dang well with then just two left. Uh, it's just all, you're right. It's hard to, with the way they're playing. I mean, we mentioned a five games, it's hard for anyone to defend how you're playing in five games with, even with two wins. We talked about those two wins, you know, Missouri State with no clay, sure, you beat them by 20. It's nothing to write home about. And then you have the UIC one, and then you have the three losses. So uh, clearly, our roughest patch of the season we talked about just, yeah, exactly. I feel like in previous years, especially recently, you know, because I feel like Brian mentioned whatever in the last however long about last year, how we were playing well. We ended up pushing to get the sixy, avoided Thursday night. And then it was all good. And we were, we were playing well down the stretch of that season. We talked about the Indiana State road win and stuff like that factored into winning some games. But clearly, you got to rattle off some, and you can't be dropping three of five in the in the last whatever it is nine conference games. So yeah, I agree. It's hard to imagine what this team could do until we finally see, and they have to just prove it tomorrow. There's no one. No other way about it. So we we will flush this game. Obviously, it's just showing us compared to Drake. It's showing us compared to Bradley until we play them on Sunday. That Drake is the team to beat, and Bradley is the team to beat. So everyone else is just playing fiddle. Unless there's upsets, and you go on a, you don't want to be the tricky team that drops three of five, and then maybe you went out and then get some get some help, and then you end up as. It's just crazy how things can play out the last four games. But, yeah, it's gonna. It's, a, it's crazy thinking about maybe what we could see tomorrow night depending on how this team uh, feels and how much they want it here down the stretch. So we will flush it. We'll look back on this game, though, to know how we finished and everything through the end of the season. We'll have a lot to talk about in the offseason if things don't go to plan, I guess, the rest of the way. So, Noah, besides our crappy game, there actually wasn't any other great games – to mention, or, or we will talk about them, what happened, but not a whole lot of great games otherwise this past weekend either, besides Sunday. Saturday's
1: games weren't too great. Yeah, a lot of blowouts, um, starting with the shorthanded UIC Flames headed down to Nashville. 98-71 win for Belmont. Um, the Flames were without Anderson, Carter, and Clay. I mean, two of their better players and a really talented freshman in Clay. So just shorthanded, Belmont takes care of business. 25 for Ben Shepard. Um, Cade Tyson with 19, probably one of the top two freshmen in the conference right there. Uh, Jalen Jackson, the freshman for UIC, uh, career high and game game high for the Flames, 21 points. So another blowout there. Another one, Murray State went up to Bradley. Thought this, they could hopefully start finding their – rhythm Murray State but another blowout for them 83-48 Braves win um Ville Tavanain in 18 points Um hopefully he's if he's a guy that starts getting hot um, he can help big time off the bench for them Burns had 13 for Murray State um Indiana State back back in top four they're staying hot McCauley the newcomer of the week again, 21 points as they beat you and I 80 to 62 on the road. Um just another big win. you and I continues to fall apart. Uh Valpo, the Beacons, 81-76 home win as they sweep the Redbirds of Illinois State. 25 points for Quentin Green, uh, 20 points for Seneca Knight for the Redbirds. Then on Sunday, um Missouri State travels over to Evansville, 66-60. Uh Alston Mason, a guy that probably doesn't get talked talked about enough in this league, 18 points for them. Antoine Smith Jr., 16 points um, for the Aces. So can't win back-to-back, not back-to-back wins for the Aces, but um, definitely excited to see them get their first win last week. But yeah, not a lot of great basketball in the Valley. It was supposed to be a loaded slate Saturday, really good games across the across the day, and it was not that.
0: Yeah, and even the – like, you're right, and we feel like if Evans was – they got the win at home like they did against you and I, and it's like, well, if they're going to get any other wins, it was at home again, and people were kind of picking them in this game, and they almost did it again, and you mentioned – I was, in the, I didn't watch it, but you mentioned um, how uh, even uh, Chance Moore had a huge three late and stuff, and, we t- and I mentioned the stuff hovering over with, you know, the Dana Ford situation, obviously it didn't matter – in this game like some people even thought it would hanging over the program going into that game but provided some context because we talked about the fact that Belmont can beat UIC or kill them at their place and we only beat them by two but Noah some context and even Yankovic said in the teleconference today about you know why he didn't really say why he just said day-to-day of why Jace Carter, uh, Trey Anderson and whoever it was didn't play in this game and Clay didn't play in this game and it wouldn't say anything more than it was day to day. So it's kind of strange. I want to say it might be like a disciplinary thing, I, unless we mentioned there's like a sickness going around. I don't want to speculate, but that was clearly a big reason why they got killed. They still put up 71 points in Belmont. All they want to do is put up 98, which they did. So that could have been a lot closer in that regard. Cause I thought that until you looked it up earlier and said that. So that's notable. Indiana state's hitting their stride. I want to say looking at it, that you know of their winning streak here when we get to the standings that you know they have a, a lot of good wins but two of them have come in this win streak against and I. so they have their number killing them in Cedar Falls it's it's crazy not only the way and is playing but the way Indiana State's playing now they're back into the fold like they like they were from the very get-go yeah you're right we thought I thought like Bradley would only and Illinois State when they played against Sam at Carver Illinois State's kind of got you know you know and you know fine defense actually decent defense and then just average decent offense or kind of split between the middle i think bradley if you make it hard on them to score clearly and you struggle against them to score that's where it can be a little tight but then you know when you get murray who's terrible defensively and they've been showing that then, then they put up and they just try to go in and score unlikely yeah you'll only put up 48 points and Bradley puts up 83. That puts on average the last three losses from Murray State. they The opponents have scored like at least 85 to 90 points. Uh, and then you have Valpo, which get into. I mean, they had a yeah, nice home win against Illinois State. Back-to-back home games for them. So it, definitely it will be in their favor. So that is the games you're right. Not a whole lot of good ones outside of that Sunday one. Uh, so the standings as we stand today, obviously two at the top, Drake and Bradley. Three way tie for us, Belmont and Indiana State, at eleven and five. And you got Missouri State, who we did sweep, but you know they don't go away lightly. They've had some nice wins, um, and they they could keep happening. It they're at ten and six. You and I, they have lost five straight now, eight and eight in the league, tied with Murray at eight and eight, and then Valpo and Illinois State, five and eleven. UIC two and fourteen, and Evansville still at one and fifteen. Uh, Noah, we know that they were obviously more seeding probabilities. It's the only thing around the whole grand scheme of the Valley to mention here. It has changed a little bit. Update everybody
1: from where we stand and
0: what everybody stands.
1: Yeah, definitely what a week can change for us, especially as SIU. Down to 7% chance for that one seed, um, 18% for the two, 24% for the three, 30% for the four. for the five, 4% for the six. So, um, you'd probably have to lose out for that six seed. But as of right now, the, after all the, the simulations, we would end up the three seeds. So, um, that would be best case scenario that I think that should be what we put our eyes on. Hopefully we can get that done because, um, Feels like a lot a lot recently we've been in that 4-5 matchup in the past decade, and I hate being in that. So I'd like to be in that 8-30 game. I know it's tough on that Friday night, but if you could get that three seed, um, it would be big time. So uh, then just other real quickly, just a quick Ken Palm update um, around the league. Drake's up to 78, Bradley at 80. Indiana State's up in the top 100 now at 98. Then we have fallen all the way down to 131. So we are below where we finished last year. I think it was like 126 last year. Belmont is at 126 as we speak. So falling down in that. Then net rating, we have fell to 121st. So um, taking deep falls on both those lists.
0: Especially back-to-back games whenever you – only win by two at home against a, a team in the 300s and net and Kempom, and then, for at least 280s to 300. And then, and then, yeah, you lose at a team who's really high in all those, but you lose to them as bad as you do. The margin of victory definitely is, plays a big, a big role in the net uh, sweepstakes. And it's crazy because we talked about it seems like this team, pound for pound, allows less points than last year which now after allowing 82 that I would think that's probably not the case right now anymore but you know allowing around the same as last year and even offensively we're scoring a little bit more than last year which seems insane but and then everything else efficiency wise and things that it it seems unfathomable that we even that we're even behind even where we were last year and you mentioned some of those other ones and it stinks and we know net and Ken Palm and all that stuff doesn't really factor in for us at this point now, unless, you know, cause we said if we tie with those other top teams and it boils down to margin of loss and everything. And the fact that we only beat Drake by four, and if we beat Bradley, who knows, if we split with both, so many things thing out, then we'll lose the net battle. So at the end of the day, whatever, but you definitely don't want to look too bad in those. And it, it definitely we're slowly, but surely falling in that regard. Um, so, we mentioned how in the or the pro Salukis. I'm pretty sure the Sh- Windy City Bulls are playing right now. I don't have it on me to look. I haven't seen them tweet about cash. I wanted to look to see real fast if Barrett Benson has gotten a game in recently. Uh, um, yes, on the 11th, his team finally lost. He had 14 and six in 24 minutes, five of six shooting, one of one from the three point line. We did see him stretch the fourth us a little bit, one of two from the free throw. Like I said, in a loss when this team had about a Six game winning streak. They've been one of the tops in that league. And I mentioned how it's kind of around the G League All Star break for a lot of people. I haven't seen what the other guys are doing. We'll have an update on the next one. Um, No, I don't know. I mean, I don't really have it on me um, of a Canard update. I I mentioned everybody that they played East St. Louis on uh, Saturday night. I wasn't able to find anything on Twitter. If you're able to see anything on the, uh, on whatever, if you do, go ahead and say that. But if not, even segue into what, uh, Uh, This week's games are – because we'll get into our standalone game tomorrow, which I just realized fully that we're the only one and everyone else plays on Wednesday. Talk about those Wednesday games.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen an update on that East St. Louis game either. Um, Kennard did not retweet anything. He usually tweets something. Um, I'm sure it was a really good matchup, I think. Um, Hopefully they pulled that out. But, yeah, some upcoming games – Um, We're the only game tomorrow night. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. On Wednesday, Evansville takes the trip down to Nashville to play Belmont. Um, Expect Belmont to take care of business there. Missouri State takes the trip up to Bradley. Um, That is a really good matchup. Um, Hopefully, we can get some help from the Bears. Um, If they hit their stride up there, it'd be interesting. Indiana State at UIC. I expect Indiana State to stay hot. Don't ex- don't exactly know who will play for UIC. Um, Murray State at Illinois State. Expect Redbirds to probably continue Murray State's um, losing streak. Then Drake at Northern Iowa to finish it off at 8 p.m. I mean, you and I has struggled really, really bad but I expect Drake to probably go in there and make it an 0-2 back-to-back home losses for Drake or back-to-back home losses for you and I, which I would never have thought that would have happened. But interesting, some matchups. Maybe we can get some help. How do you know? We take care of business tomorrow night. Then you and I, Missouri State helps us out. Then we're back for a, a four-way tie with probably Belmont again. So some interesting matchups Wednesday night.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's – and all depending, we mentioned Yaquit saying day-to-day with his – two of his top guys. If they're able to play at home, who knows if they need to stay, but they're on a roll, it wouldn't matter in that game. Yeah. And even Evansville with Belmont and then – yeah, you're right. Murray's the worst road team I think I've ever seen. And the fact that it is tough to play there, we saw it in person. It's tough when they make shots and get behind them. And knowing how bad Murray is on defense, that it's uh, – it's probably – I want probably will keep that. I'm hope. It doesn't really matter in that game, I suppose. Just need either of them to fall. It doesn't matter. And then those other games, yeah, some help in regards to Missouri State. And when Brian Ward talked about them on the teleconference, you know, they're scary. They are every year. And that's how all of us view it. It's how you and I view it, you know, down the stretch and the end of the tournament. If they're healthy and ready to go, Missouri State's probably the biggest star course in the whole entire thing. So we're hoping that yeah, they can go into Carver and, you know, they got the mixed – We mentioned their zone. They got the mix of both offense and defense. They can maybe get Bradley troubles. We'll see. Uh, Definitely on the boards, that's a great rebounding battle. And then, yeah, Drake, you and I, you and I – I mean, the way Drake's playing, I don't know if you and I can snap out of it at any point and give us help. But those are are the two teams we're chasing. I don't think we can get any help from – clearly not Evansville or UIC, but those other two maybe we can. But it all matters what we do tomorrow, and that is why we will now jump into the Valpo beacons. And, I mean – no, we t- it's so weird because last year, you know, even coming into this year, we thought they were honestly going to have Thomas Kithier. And we talked – I think it was just early in the off season or in the middle. In the middle point, it was like he was retiring from basketball. We know he had that back injury. I think he had the option to return. But he didn't imagine if they did because, you know, that was a dynamic or a terrific trio, I guess you could say, for them last year. Now this year, a lot of the new faces, they weren't really picked. Uh, you know, obviously, they weren't picked high at all. And even on the course of the season when they were terrible, that, uh, you know, Matt Loddick's, Matt Loddick's uh, chair was getting extremely hot. They're interesting, though. We know they have a dynamic duo. And before I let you jump into them, I'll talk about some other things. This is, our, this is, only, this is only the 15th time we've met in our history. And we've actually, at the 14 times, apparently it's split 7-7. Seven, seven. Uh, we've won three straight against them, including a sweep of them last season. Which included that sixty three to sixty win on the road versus them. And that we talked about that game. Kithier was great. That was the Dalton Banks led game. It was an extremely gutty effort, one of our best of that season from for what that's worth. But you know, like I said, they're they, they're sneaky every single time, but they had a rough start to the season. But they put it in gear and some wins, you know, and, and, and spurts here, maybe some losses in between. But we know How talented they are and how well they play in that crappy gym everybody talks about. Let's dive into the beacons for our first and only time in the regular season.
1: Yeah, I definitely think uh, Lodge's seat is still a little warm, but this is a team that's started to find some rhythm here. They're battling out from the bottom of the league, but I think they could get up to the maybe the 8-9 game. Uh, I think that I mean, they, with the sweep over Illinois State, I think they end up the nine, um, depending on how Illinois State finishes out. But this is a team with some, obviously, some really talented players. We know Ben Cricky, what he's been doing all season long, averaging just under 19 a game. Um, he's one of the league's best players. He's third in the league in scoring. Um, this is a guy where it's going to be a tough matchup, um, it's going to be a handful. For JD, for Clarence. Um, So I don't know how what we will throw at him if we play straight up. He's third in the league in scoring, he's 13th in rebounding. This is a guy that scores a lot for them. Then obviously, Kobe King's the other one. They have two, they're Kobe King's seventh in the league in scoring. So two top seven scorers, and they got some nice role players. Quentin Green coming off a big game against Illinois State, Nick Edwards second in the league um in assists per game. Um then a guy that is a X factor I think in Maximus Nelson, a guy that can really shoot the ball. So tough matchup on the road. They took they took Drake to two uh double OT there. Um uh, they've played a lot of the top teams close.
0: Yeah. And it shows that, you know, they're one of those teams and it's kind of been the case with so many in the league about how you are on the road compared to how you are at home. And that's clear as day. They are not good on the road. And the fact that, you know, of course we rather we're okay with the 18 point win against Belmont at home. And then we get this game compared to playing in Nashville and just getting Valpo at home would have done nothing for us in the long run. Um, But exactly. I mean, they have the talent and, They've been battle tested. That double OT game we thought when we were watching, we were watching Kennard and O'Fallon a couple weekends ago. Just had a feeling they were going to get it done, and that just shows you how Drake is. But I mean, yeah, even going back, I mean, they. I think whenever started the whole about oh they're going to be terrible this year when they started zero and three or sorry one and two, but their second loss was at when they went at Chicago State and lost. We I mean, you know Chicago State has given fits to a lot of people around the league. Did to us at times, but then we we got away from them a lot. And you know, James Madison, who was one of the best mid majors at one point, beat them on the road in overtime at one point in November. And then uh, you know they were zero and two to start the league play, and that's led to the record that we know they've had. But. They played some okay teams, you know. Then, but otherwise, they got killed. Yeah, that even they just played Drake really well. You mentioned that OT double OT at home, and then yeah, at the end of December, they almost beat them in more. They only lost by five, five that game. We talked about how Valpo is always on CBS Sports Network somehow, some way. But you're right, and even going through what they are as a team. I mean, they're seventh and or they're they are seventh in team offense. Thing is with them is you mentioned how Cricky's graded on. And scoring, and then he's thirteenth in rebounding. That's still good, even for his size. I think overall, as a team, if I get to it here about where they are. I mean, they're not, they're behind us in rebounding margin, so they don't rebound all that great. Clearly, they're kind of hang their hat on on offense. Obviously, they're yeah, they're eleventh in team defense. Uh, and then field goal percentage. They're I mean they're I mean, they'll pack in a lot of stuff, but they're dead last in team field goal percentage. Just saw this now. They made 173, which is more than Murray, who they're behind. But percentage-wise, it's only in a 30, 30% clip. They've put up 572 threes. That's still probably bottom half of the league with how many everybody puts up. But they don't hit them at extremely crazy clip. But they are sixth in team free throw percentage. So they do make those if you give it to them. Uh, they're tied for fifth in assists behind us. Uh, but they're tied with Bradley turnovers. Uh, they do turn it over. They're tied for fifth in the league so they will do that uh and then overall you mentioned some of their personnel uh but team offensive rebounds they are eighth in that team defensive rebounds they're third ninth in steals they won't really get after you in that regard and then blocks they are eighth they're right ahead of us in that regard um you mentioned that Cricky is playing like he's going to be on the first team i like to think that's definitely going to be the case no matter how his team is uh but you mentioned some of those other guys they're everywhere and you mentioned Um, Malachi Nelson you know a lot of these guys you know he he'll make three and that's the thing with how they are as a three-point shooting team but I think he's probably their best shooter I feel like every time I watch him he makes him he only averages five a game but yeah those top guys are definitely no joke and what does it say I think it has us a 70 percent chance of the matchup predictor it's got about a three and a half point spread now it's of course having trouble loading but I mean, no that that didn't seem too crazy. Obviously, with you know even our struggles, but I think they looked at Valpo's overall struggles and how it would be on the road. Three and a half is actually a decent number. We were kind of we weren't really surprised with Drake. I had a feeling it was maybe going to be up to five, and that one was six and a half. Uh, three and a half. Noah, give me. We talk about dogs of the game, and it, we talked about it earlier. To this point in the season, it's like man, especially when you get into Arch Madness, everybody's got to be the dog of the game. You need a complete team effort. We're still picking, you know, solo guys, and even you can pick the team. And, I mean, clearly this is your biggest must-win of the season, it feels like, which is ridiculous to say at Valpo at this point of the season. What do you think on that spread? What happens overall, dog of the game, predictions, everything?
1: Yeah, I definitely think um, this is a game where we need to start playing well. So um, I will take us to three and a half. I think we find a way to bounce back. Um, we're usually pretty good at that. This is a veteran team that needs to step up. Um, then, dog of the game, I'm going to go with not a player. I'm going to go with Brian Mullins. He needs to figure something out and get this team going, headed in the right direction because four games left in Valley play before you want to be playing better basketball in St. Louis um, because this we haven't seen it yet with in his tenure. His team's, like I said earlier, fade away. Hell, even Barry Henson's team started playing well in February, so I'm going to go with Brian Mullins. I know that's not a player, but that is my pick for dog of the game. This is where you need to close out, got to rebound. I mean, this team, uh, Valpo is 28th in the country in offensive rebounding percentage, so got to hit the boards, but I'm going to go with Brian Mullins to get this team ready to play.
0: It's a great pick, and that's honestly what it should be, no doubt about it, and it's- It's on him, no doubt, to have the team starting off strong because I feel like even Valpo in that gym, which I didn't have it on me of like team attendance. Let me go back and look, try to find it. They are dead last in home attendance in the league. So we talked about, you know, that gym and we even mentioned, you know, because we have an off day around obviously this game and, and on Wednesday or sorry, excuse me, tomorrow that's like, yeah, if we would have, if we would won at Drake and how great we were feeling, we would have made the trip just to see it for ourselves, but their atmosphere is not good. They don't have fans to get behind them. It's, it's one of those things, but I feel like if you let them score early, they won't look back either. And their defense will maybe allow you in the game, but that's where our offense needs to come into play and be efficient. And even at that gym and in those rims, you just never know. And talk about how you guard Ben Cricky. It's throwing all our bigs, everything you can at him. And it's like, well, he'll beat you from anywhere. He'll make a three. I'm trying to think. I haven't watched many of their games, but I I wonder if he's like the trailer, if that's Kobe. I want to say Kobe plays on the wing and they give it to him at some point. If Ben Cricky, you know, takes the ball out, brings it down, and then sets the screens and then plays off of everything and gets it. Okay, it's like, well, he'll make everything around the rim, and, well, he'll make everything at mid-range. I don't even know. You need to push him outside, make him force those mid-range to three-point shots. If you get him in the paint with the left hook, he's going to make it every single time. And we feel like there's a parts of us that trust J.D., Trust Scotty if he's in there. We mentioned Clarence's defense and Clarence's ability to score on the other end, maybe. So uh, it's a great pick picking Brian. I mean, with matchups, I mean, I feel like it's so hard to pick somebody, like we've said, over the course of this time, if it's not our top players. and If I was going with a player, uh, you know, I I feel like we have to just stop tricky. And And I feel like I'm trying to think, and I'll get your point here and your final thoughts of, Potential matchups, because I'm trying to think of clearly yeah. our bigs on Crickey. J, I, I think I'm going to pick J.D. because he's got to do his best to stop him. We talked about if we're just going to play our usual man, that our guys maybe going to be on islands down there in the paint. Maybe got to help off, make Crickey pass. We know we can pass it pretty great. And mentioned, like, and that's the thing. If you go off of analytics, you go off stats, they're not a good three-point shooting team. If you double bend Crickey, make him pass, make them make the extra pass, they'll make it. But I think that's what you – and said, and that's living with three compared to having just Cricky get them two, but Cricky shoots it almost as better percentage wise than anybody in the league, so uh, I'll go with j d and I think we cover the three and a half two we have to and if if we keep it within that I mean if we win it's whatever, and, and it's on the road, you take it, but if it's within three and a half points, you know it's definitely going to be a scare. I'll take this minus three and a half as well. You now I'll mention real fast potential and we'll go back to see who they started recently have a good idea the guys we've already mentioned about potential matchups because I think about who the heck's gonna guard Kobe King and if it's Marcus I'd say cross your fingers who else what else do you think of uh, matchups wise and then your final thoughts
1: yeah definitely think obviously Biggs will be on Kricke, Um, but they have been starting Nelson which I think that's a good matchup um, for Marcus not a guy that can just Overpower him. We know Kobe King will probably be guard. Will be guarding Marcus defensively, um, but I like that matchup defensively for Marcus. I think Jawan on Kobe King um, is where you go probably, unless you throw a bigger body guy like Lance, who Kobe will try to probably take Jawan in the post a little bit. Um, then Quentin Green will be my matchup. Actually, I'll switch that. I'll go Lance on Kobe. Go Jawan on Quentin Green, then X on um, the the total leading assist leader in the conference, and Nick Edwards um, to try to shut him down. So I like those matchups. This is a game where it's time to uh, get going. It's, it's crunch time. It's down to the final test. Um, during the Zoom today, Harry Shorter asked each coach um, besides Brian because probably Harry got tired of listening to um, Siegel and – Bucky asking questions didn't ask, didn't make Brian go through any more questions, but this is where culture starts to get tested and we'll see what it's made of tomorrow night.
0: Great point. Yeah. And even some of those matchups, because even you go to the teleconference as well, when Loddick was talking about, he was asked about green and he said, uh, yeah, he's spotty. He's inconsistent at times, but when he's going, we're pretty good. So obviously that's a matchup. And he was eight of 12 in their last game, had 25 and 10 against Illinois state. So that was along with Cricky going twenty-four, six, and six. And we mentioned Illinois State's a decent defensive team. We like to think we're way better than they are. But just knowing how what these guys can do to you, and you're right. I would like to see Lance on Kobe as well. You know, Kobe will try to back him down. Lance is smart enough in the pickpocketing department. even think about guys they'll bring off the bench, you know. I mean, we mentioned some of our bench or some of our bench players. Jerome Palm Junior, six ten, come off the bench averaging two, but he will rebound at five a game, shoots about forty three percent, surprisingly at that size. And I mean, they actually bring in. They bring a seven-footer, Joe Headstrom, off the bench. So Scotty's going to be ready. Troy's going to have to be ready. Ibra Bay Bayu, six eight, one ninety five, freshman. And then we know uh, Darius Diavaro, who was dealing with injuries uh, recently. They got him back, however long ago. And then we know Preston Rudinger is out for the year. And so they'll go about ten deep, all depending. And that was a close game with Illinois State. So they probably will go ten deep. All de- we know. We talked about Ben Cricky. He's one of the tops in minutes in the league. And. So it's definitely not going to be easy. we mentioned standalone game and it's off a turnaround going, uh, you know, from Des Moines over to Valpo. We mentioned how the team used that as an excuse after we, after we lost to you and I, they used the travel as an excuse. So we'll see if we lose this game, so help us. And that's an excuse after the fact, but it's, it's this time of the year where it doesn't matter. And you're right. It's, it's, it's nut gutting time. And, And we talked about, I mean, you get Bradley and you and I at home. You think you have some advantages there. Definitely, we mentioned on Sunday the advantages in that game. But then you go at UIC, which won't be easy. So it's like not every game is going to be easy, but it's reasonable and it's not. It's obviously realistic to go four and zero, and that's and that starts tomorrow in that game in a tough matchup in Valparaiso, Indiana, at six o'clock ESPN Plus. Like we said, three and a half point favorites at one thirty one and a half over under. Uh, so, yeah, it, it'll definitely be interesting, and that's all we need is a win. I love your Brian pick, and it definitely needs to happen. It's all a big wait and fee. So, looking forward to, like I said, 6 o'clock ESPN+. Plus. Everybody stay tuned. Only game two watch, so the whole league will be watching this one. See if we can get back on track, and that's all we can hope for at this point. Mm-hmm. Down the stretch here, we need it very, very badly. So, for Nate Malone, no alerts. Until next time, as always, go dogs.